Welcome to No Interviews, Please, a recruiting podcast brought to you by Horns 24-7. You can find us on iTunes or on SoundCloud. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Holland, and we are back. Uh, we, I guess we should start, apologize. Uh, we did not have a show last week, just uh, a lot of stuff personally going on for both of us, and uh, we had a time to meet up and record, and then that time just didn't end up working out, and... Uh, you know, with EJ traveling, me traveling, we uh, we just decided to not have one last week. But we are back for this week. So, EJ, how's it going? Uh, it's going good, man. Just so much traveling. We got, uh, well, I have New Orleans this weekend. I think you get to uh, rest this weekend for a change. I'm going to drink beer this weekend. <laughs> I have an eight-hour drive to New Orleans, so, <clears throat> which... You know, the drive's going to suck, but New Orleans is one of my favorite places on earth, so I'm sure I will enjoy it. Plus, I'm staying at a casino, so I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we'll talk a little bit about last weekend, how everything went uh, for the both of us. Um, before we get started, before we jump into uh, the opening, which was the event I was at, EJ, you were in Atlanta you didn't get to see a, a ton of Texas targets at Atlanta Pylon, but you did go see a Texas signee. Uh, you did see some guys out there, so why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, I went out to uh, Pylon, Atlanta, um, you know, just to get some national stuff. I saw Jaquavius Marks, four-star running back in this cycle. Um, not a lot of people are talking about Marks, like, in general, not just Texas-related. Uh, he's a, a recruit that I feel like is wide open and that recruitment is very winnable. Told me that he'll make an official visit to Texas. So he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. If you remember last year, Marks tried to make an unofficial visit for a game, but there was really bad weather in Atlanta and he couldn't get out of the airport. So he still talks to Brian Carrington and Stan Drayton on a frequent basis. So that's definitely a recruitment to watch. Um, that was really the only Texas target at the seven on seven tournament on Monday. I went out to uh, Grayson in the morning uh, to see a, a pair of 2021 offers, Noah Collins and Phil Moffa. Uh, Texas obviously had success uh, in Grayson last cycle, landing Kenyatta Watson. Uh, and talking to Moffa, uh, he has some early interest. He said he, he wouldn't mind making a visit. Uh, my personal opinion is he probably wants to stay closer to home, but it's still early in the process. And Noah Collins told me that his next next visit will be to Texas. So uh, both of those guys are, are names to know. I also got a chance to talk to uh, Texas signee Kenyatta Watson, uh, who has been working on both of those guys. Um, you know, it's funny. I walked by the Grayson weight room, and there was a like a leaders board. You know, usually it's like how much they lift or you know what their forty times were, and so. It was fastest Rams, and I looked up at it, and I was like, are these 40 times? <laughs> and uh, Kenyatta Watson had clocked in hand time at 429, which uh, was really wild to me. And a lot of people like questioned his speed, but I always told you during the recruiting process that Kenyatta was just such an underrated athlete. So I, I think there was probably a win that is back, but uh, that's still impressive nonetheless. But, um, yeah, I got to chop it up with Kenyatta. He's going to spend his entire spring break out at Texas. Um, so he's going to spend 12 days at UT just kind of going over the playbook with Jason Washington, checking out practice, you know, bonding with his future teammates, and 
from everything I've been able to gather, Watson uh, should be able to compete for some early playing time. So after I stopped by Grayson, I made my way uh, back into the Atlanta metro area and stopped by the uh, therapy center to see a Texas running back signee, Darian Brown, uh, who obviously is recovering still from uh, a blood clot in his brain. Um, it was really tough, man. I called Mike afterwards. Uh, it was it was like emotionally draining uh, to go talk to him. Um, you know, just just being in that environment and, and seeing a a kid that I had covered just a few months ago at a game. So that was really tough. I mean, Darian was in good spirits, though. I posted that video where he thanks thanked his supporters, and you know, he was walking by himself he was talking um he could tell he was still kind of recovering and i only got one quote from him i was going to do more of a feature story but i i didn't get the perception that he was ready to really talk to me for that long so uh but it was cool i mean once he saw me i think he was pretty happy to like talk about football again and like feel like a, a recruit as opposed to a patient so um, you know, it was kind of just weird being there, seeing a guy that you've covered like that, but it was also good to see him recovering so well. And, uh, I know football should be the last thing on everybody's mind, but you know, there's still some people wondering if he'll play football again. You know, I don't really know. That's Darian's goal. Um, I think right now the focus is on him continuing to get better and yes, Texas will honor his scholarship regardless. So, um, you know, his thoughts with Darian Brown and his family as he continues to recover. He is back at home, though, and he is going to uh, a therapist, a special uh, therapist five days a week for five hours each day. So he is progressing, um, and I, I think he'll be fine, uh, you know, after he finishes therapy. So it looks like everything's going to be okay with him which is great news. Um, after I stopped by to see Darian Brown, you know, I went to the Atlanta airport and came home. Uh, while I was doing this, you were kind of catching up on some sleep uh, after spending uh, the enti your entire Sunday in Houston at the opening. Yeah, it was a, um, <clears throat> it was a long day, I would say. Uh, I got up at 6 a.m., and drove from Fort Worth to Houston. Uh, the route it took me was through College Station down Highway 6, so it wasn't a great drive. Um, in fact, it was so bad, I stopped at <clears throat> some random gas station on Highway 6 just outside of Navasota to get, like, a bottle of water, and the guy told me I couldn't use my card. They had a $4 minimum to use your card there. <laughs> I've stopped at some of those gas stations. It's like, what do you guys want me to buy? I guess I'll buy another water. No, I was just like, no, I'll I'll drive into Waller, which is like not that far down the road where they likely will not charge me this much to, to do this. Um, but yeah, it was a good time, a uh, good day uh, out at Legacy Stadium in Katy, um, where the camp was last year. Much better weather conditions this year. If you remember last year, EJ, it was rainy and cold. Um, this year it was it was a little chilly in the morning, but warmed up and was nice and sunny. I even had a sunburn. I'm fighting off now, just peeling off my face. Um, but a lot of good competition out there. A lot of good uh, a lot of good prospects on hand. Um, 
I would say much like Dallas and, and kind of not the way we've been seeing it for the past couple of years is uh, the offensive line group and was the, the highlight. And, you know, when you talk about uh, Damian George and Chad Lindbergh didn't work out, I think he was still dealing with some sort of injury, uh, but he was there as well. And then the 2021 guys like Hayden Connor, Bryce Foster, uh, and Donovan Jackson, uh, those three guys were fantastic, all made it to the final five. Um, and then Cam Dewberry, the 2022 guy from Atascacita, um, who kind of jumped onto everybody's radar this weekend by making it to the final five and being one of the best players at the camp. So um, a, a really good offensive and, de- and defensive line group. Defensive line group had uh, Prince Lee Milan. It had uh, Vernon Broughton. Albert Collins was slated to be there. He, uh, w- we thought he was a no-show, and then ends up he just had the wrong time and showed up and ended up just like testing with the DBs. Um, but the best part was he had to go through drills with the DBs, like warm-ups, and he was like backpedaling and stuff. And actually looked pretty good doing it. Uh, so uh, good, good things going on there. Uh, Zach Evans was probably the, the main attraction for everybody. Put up some ridiculous numbers. I think his officials ended up being a four-five-one forty. Um, there was definitely some weird things going on with the testing. We've seen kind of weird things all around from the opening as far as measurements and and testing this year. Um, you know, whether it be like Jake Majors measuring in, didn't he measure in like six four? Yeah, and I stood next to him, and I'm like, dude, you're not three inches taller than me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say. Jake is probably a healthy – he may be below 6'3", but maybe just a smidge right around 6'3", I would say. Um, they had, like, DeMond Demis at, like, 6'2". So <laughs> – So DeMond's shorter than Jake, I guess, by these opening um, yeah. things. I don't know. That's so weird. And there's not a trend. Like, if there was – if it was like, okay, everybody's just going taller than they really are. You could peg that, but with some going taller and some going smaller, it's hard to see. So Zach was basically told by the testing guys that he ran a four four flat. He told me that then the the other guy told him, "Well, no, you ran a four five one." They basically made him run like four forties in a row, and he he said by the last one he was pretty gassed, understandably. Um, and the guy told him like, "Hey, if you just get a four five, I'll just give you a four four. And I was like, "What, what is even the point?" The testing, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I mean, that was secondhand Zach relaying it to me. Maybe it wasn't that way. But the guy told him, like, if you just run a 4-5 flat, I'll give you a 4-4. And then Zach ran a 4-5-1, and he didn't give it to him. I don't know. <laughs> really, <laughs> what the hell? I really weird things going on. Yeah. Oh, Zach was – I and I caught Zach for my interview about the time that he was venting about the testing. And so he was kind of aggressive in the interview because I think he was still getting over that part. Um, Demond Demis, same thing. There were reports that Demond ran in the four twos, the high four twos, um, and then like, and he, I think he hand timed at like a low four three in the fastest man competition, but his official time was like a four four seven or something. Which still, <laughs> when you're talking about laser to laser times, are fantastic. I mean, those are are awesome. Four five one. You're really the most impressive thing for Zach was a three eight four shuttle. I mean that is exceptional elite quickness um, for a guy his size and his style to be able to change directions like he does. You're talking about the elite athletes in the world uh, can do those numbers and no one else. So uh, 
some weird things going on with the testing. Hard to know what to really trust there. But um, so we saw those two as well. And then, uh, you know, DeMond really just took the camp over. He was uh, unguardable in one-on-ones until he kind of banged up his ankle on his last rep um, and decided to sit the rest of the time out. Uh, Troy O'Meara was also there. He was pretty good. Um, and then Xavier Alford, probably the lone defensive back Texas is recruiting right now, um, was also there and, and had a really good day as well. So, you know, usually at these camps, we are expecting to see shows from the, from the skill guys. And mainly, I think we saw most of what we liked from, uh, from the offensive and defensive line. Yeah, I feel like the talent is just so much in the trenches, especially in the 2021 class with all those offensive linemen. I, I think you kind of hit on all the uh, Texas targets there. Uh, but looking at the 2021 offensive class, there's a lot of debate on, you know, who's the best, who uh, who do you think was the best standout from the 21 group at the camp? It's it's tough. I would say it's probably between Donovan Jackson and Bryce Foster, um, who I thought were the best at this particular camp. Um, you know, Donovan Jackson is just so technically sound, it's almost unfair. And he's growing. Like, he was, I think, last year when we saw him, I was just very, like, I don't know if he's ever going to be, like, that big. Uh, you know, tall, length, that type of big. Um And he's still growing. And he has some – the one thing I really noticed about him, he has gigantic feet, um, which usually indicates there's more growth there. Um, So it doesn't look like he's grown into those feet. So we could still see some more out of him. But he's just so technical. He's so smart um, that he can beat guys with his athleticism. He is athletic enough to do it. But a lot of times he's just sound, so sound technically that they don't ever ever really have a chance against him. And Bryce Foster is – a, a very smart kid and very athletic kid as well, but he is raw power, just in it, it manifested. I mean, he is built like a boulder, and when he locks onto guys, he just he he road grades them. I love him as an interior prospect, um, and that twenty like we've talked about it a ton, but that twenty one class is just so talented on the offensive line. I've been banging the uh, Vernon Broughton drum. I mean, what were your overall takeaways on Vernon? I know you touched on him, but do you have anything, you know, shake? Does, does this change your opinion any one way or the other, this camp performance? No, I think I'm about where I'm going to be on Vernon, and that is that I think he is a great prospect. I don't know that he's a great player right now. Um, he... he he definitely has his ups and downs. You know, when he when it's all clicking, it's really good. It looks great. Um, and, and you know, Vernon even said like, "Hey, I'm not doing the little things consistently enough in these camps. I'm not using my lower body enough, and, and things like that." You know, it's still relatively new for him. He's still learning. I think I told you I watched his his varsity film, and it's dom or from this year, and it's dominant. But it's a minute and a half. And I told you, if he'd have done this for like four or five minutes, I think I'd be ready to say he's the best player in the state. Uh, or he, he's right up there with Zach Evans and, and Devon Dennis. But um, I think it's just a consistency thing with Vernon right now. And, um, you know, staying on that defensive line trend, I also got to see Princely in action. I, and I haven't been a huge fan of his based on film. Um, I actually thought he was really good in the camp setting uh, pretty quick. Moves pretty well for his size. Uh, a lot longer, um, 
than I think he's given credit for. And, and it, they finally moved him inside. I think at some camps, and I don't know about Under Armour, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, at some camps he's been rushing as an end. This time he was he was mainly a tackle um, and, and had a really good day. He was probably the most consistent and dominant defensive lineman there. Yeah, I, I thought he was really good at Under Armour. I know we had talked about Princely, and I don't think either of us was over the moon, but I think he's uh, I think he's had a really uh, just solid offseason. Uh, I, I think he's just kind of that big-bodied guy. There's nothing that really stands out to you about him, but he's been winning reps. He's been very good technique-wise. I, I think you know he's one that uh, has definitely, in both of our eyes, seen his stock go up at least a little bit. Um, other than that, man, it, doesn't, it didn't seem like it was an overwhelming, you know, selection of Texas targets. Was, were there any underclassmen or any anybody that you think, other than Cam Dewberry, who you said stole the show, that you know think you think could pop up on UT's radar? Yeah, I mean, there were some guys like Latrell McCutcheon was there. Um, I think he's probably maybe a guy in twenty twenty one who gets a look at defensive back, but no, not a ton. I mean, it was, this is beginning to be a trend. Um, younger guys are skipping these camps more and more often. And I think, you know, Preston Stone, I think kind of, kind of explained it to us. And I think Preston's kind of always been ahead of his time with this, but it, I, I get the aspect of you can go there and you can compete and you can get some coaching and all of those things. But a lot of those guys are, not eligible to go to camps you know preston stone could go and be the best passer there and he's not eligible to get into the elite 11 and so i can see them not wasting their time or not getting hurt or something like that for a camp that they can't be invited to yeah that's definitely oh last last thing i want to ask you but yeah just to hit on that point i mean you can see why the underclassmen don't necessarily want to do it just because i mean there isn't a lot for them other than just maybe getting in a competition day. But last day, last question I have for you, which opening had the better talent, Dallas or Houston? Since you got to go to both, I didn't get to go to both. Huh, that's tough. I feel like Dallas actually probably had the, the more complete group. Um, I feel like the, the offensive line, defensive line talent in Houston could stack right up there with Dallas, maybe even a little better. Um, but when you talk about the quarterbacks Dallas had, um, the defensive backs, guys like that, I think that overall Dallas had had the better talent group. Well, I think that's it, man. I think we can go ahead well, and move on to our mailbag unless you want to add anything else. Yeah, I do have a couple things to add. So we dropped most of these notes in the Stampede over at Horns 24-7. Please uh, go read those. Um, go subscribe. But just a couple quick hitters on on some recruiting intel I picked up there. Um, let's start with Zach. Everybody's going to ride the wave and freak out about every little thing Zach says. And, oh, he said this in this interview. I can tell you from being there, I spoke to Zach in two separate interviews. And he said wildly different things in both of them. Um and he said different things to everybody all day. And that's not Zach. He's not like being a, a jerk or anything about it. He's a smart kid. Like he, he understands the game. He understands he has the leverage really at this point that nobody's just going to be like, fine, I'm not talking to Zach Evans. Um, and he understands kind of how to play things. So if he's lukewarm on a quote to, about your school or, you know, let's say just specifically about Texas, 
So sources are still telling us Texas is still in a very good spot there. Um, and I, I wouldn't ride that wave and just go on every little comment Zach says. You know, there are some things he said that I think are based in truth. You know, right now, Zach's talking heavily about a package deal between him and Damian George and that wherever Damian goes to school is where he will go to school. And we see this all the time at the high school level, and, and typically it, it never really pans out. And I don't know why, and maybe I shouldn't, but I, I believe Zach in this case. I, I believe kids who are what I call hood loyal um, stay that way. And I think that for, for Zach, he is 100% serious about this uh, right now. Now, could that change down the road? Absolutely. Everything could change with Zach. You know, he gave us a list of six schools that were standing out. He did that in two interviews, and uh, there were at least three different schools mentioned in both interviews. So everything could change. But, um, you know, right now, just don't buy into a ton of what Zach's saying. I do think the package deal talk is is correct. Um, but don't don't listen to every little comment. This thing's going to play out way down the road, way into signing day. And you're going to drive yourself crazy following this recruitment, quote, to quote. Uh, quickly, just a, a couple of the other guys. I think that uh, from from talking to Vernon Broughton, he's still enjoying the visit process, and I think obviously Texas is still in very good shape there. Uh, Princely didn't give me a great feeling, I, and that one's kind of been all over the place early on. So we'll see where things go from there. Alfred Collins is just a really hard kid to get anything out of. Uh, I mean, we talked with him. He's nice. He smiles. He jokes. But like when you put a microphone in front of him. He's prone to giving you three or four word answers, and you know you can't draw a ton from those. Uh, Troy Mir, I think it's it's really hard to mark, you know, where he's leaning at this point. I definitely think it's a, a Texas and Texas A and M race, but it, he didn't say anything one way or the other that would really indicate anybody sticking out right now. Uh, with Xavier and Alfred, I think things are kind of business as usual, um, and then. DeMond Demis gave me the most, I called it like the most ridiculous quote I've ever got. But I mean, it's, I actually really like DeMond. He's inter- he entertains me. Um, and I don't <laughs> think, he's not like a bad kid or anything. So I don't get like tired of him. Um, but yeah, he said, so I asked him, I caught him walking out of the camp um, pretty much when everybody was out of the stadium. And he had done a hundred interviews. And I said, DeMond, is there any point in me talking to you about Texas? Like, I don't waste your time. I don't want to waste my time. I got a long drive back. Like, and he was like, yeah, you could talk to me about Texas. Um, and I said, okay, so what's the deal? I mean, are they still in the picture at all? His quote was, I'm 100% committed to A&M, but I have 2% each for Texas and four other schools. I can't, like Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and somebody else. And, uh, and I asked him how the math worked out, and he said because he keeps it 110%. Um, so one of the more uh, – I just grin, like how am I going to write this up? Um, and, and look, we're not into stirring the pot uh, in recruiting and, and like making stories out of nothing. But it is a story. I mean he did dominate the camp. It was worth talking to him and just seeing what was going on. He did say that he uh, will most likely make a visit back to Texas within the next month. And um, he is still considering them. So there's that. Oh, man. Damon and Zach. How fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it was a riot. And then, um, you know, I went down the road, got some dinner, wrote up uh, some notes, and then 
got on the road and I got home about 11 p.m. So it was a very, very long day. Uh, well, thank you for doing that. Mike did that uh, out of his own pocket while I was in Atlanta. So shout out to Mike for being a road warrior. I'm just trying to learn from you. All right. Uh, are you ready to move on to the mailbag? I am. All right. Uh, the the mailbag, as always, you can uh, send mailbag questions to nointerviewspod at gmail.com, or you can send them directly to our DMs at nointerviewspod. Our first question comes to us from uh, Trey Stein. He says, uh, when do you guys expect the committing to start back up? And uh, pick one commit to play Papa Shot for you. Loser has to buy uh, the winner, babes. Who do you pick and why? Um, also, which prospect do you think wins out of the prospect you guys pick? Um, okay, so for the committing, I mean, I, there's a couple guys I think could go at, at any moment. Um, you know, it's it's nothing nothing that we're expecting. I think you'll see some guys after the spring game. I think we'll see if I've got uh, the Texas pattern down. It looks like they typically get guys uh, in March and February after junior day. Then they have a little lull. They get guys maybe around the spring game a little bit. And then in late May or early June, they have a rush and then kind of uh, tail off until the season where they start picking up more. So, I mean, I, there's nothing I can tell you to expect right now. But, it, you know, if we have a couple next month, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, if I had to pick one recruit to play Papa Shot for me, what is I'm gonna Papa s- Shot? It's like you know, like when you're at like um, Dave and Buster's or something like the, the little mini oh, basketball. The basketball? Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to think who plays basketball, and all the guys we know that play basketball are defensive linemen, and therefore they're usually post players without a jumper. Um, but Prince Dorva did tell me he has a pretty good jumper. So I'm going to trust Prince Dorva and I'll take him. I, um, I'll take DeMont Demas. He actually, I mean, he can jump out of the gym and dunk, but I would assume that he'd have a pretty decent jumper too. Yeah, that's probably a really good one. One I didn't think about. Um, so yeah, do you have anything on, on when the committing will pick back up? No, I think you you hit it. I think you know there isn't anything imminent, but you know it's not going to surprise if if something goes down around the spring game or a little after that. But right now we're kind of in a wait and see period. There's no shushes out there. There's no coffees out there. I think right now it's just the focus right now. I think is more on the team, and then it'll turn back to recruiting around the spring game. All right, our next question comes to us from Andy Arnold. He says, can you guys shed some light on the strategy that Texas has to recruit all these elite running backs? Do they simply push hard for all of them and take whoever will commit first and then worry about uh, where Evans is? Or do they hold out for Evans and risk missing on other guys? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a tightrope for sure. I think for now they're all in on Zach Evans until they can gauge – you know, a spot where they may be slipping and I, and you may see them go to some backup options, but it also sounds like they're working their other options pretty well. I mean, they, they hosted Kendall Milton for a visit. sounds like they'd like to get Jaquavius Marks on campus. Uh, EJ, you just had an update on Bajan Robinson. So maybe there's something there as well. Uh, it's definitely a tightrope and it's one, I think we see them run every year with a, 
position, a certain position. Um, it seems to be a different one each year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what they get paid the big bucks for. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're going all in on Zach Evans. and They hosted Kendall Milton. Bijan Robinson will be coming in for the spring game. You know, Jaquavius Marks, Ty Jordan are guys that are in that mix or maybe an RB2 guy. But, I mean, I think the big three, Zach, uh, Kendall, and Bijan, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, Zach obviously is the in-state guy, and there's reason to have some confidence there. But you also know Zach is going to take his time, and you can't put all your eggs in the Zach basket. So that's why they've gotten Milton on campus, who's actually been open about playing with Zach, so I don't even know if that would matter. Uh, but John Robinson, I mean, is a five-star guy in his own right, and Texas has obviously done well in Arizona. Tim Beck is doing a fantastic job in that recruitment. Um, you know, when I talked to Bajan out in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, he told me that Tim Beck was doing a phenomenal job with him. So, um, you know, I, I think right now they just recruit those guys. Like, they, I, I think you just recruit them hard. I mean, they're all five-star guys, and you kind of figure it out towards the end of the cycle, depending on how things are going. All right, our next question comes to us from Justin Daniels. He says, can you realistically predict who's going to make up this DB class? Uh, which high school game in DFW should he attend this season? And will Texas get involved with Avery Helm? Uh, the DB class. I mean, I think I would feel pretty good at this point about predicting a safety class of uh, Bryson Washington Xavier Alford and Chris Thompson. I mean, I'm not saying that that's for sure going to happen, but I think if you put a gun to my head, that's the pick I'd make at this point. Um, outside of those, the corners is anyone's guess, man. I mean, I could see a Josh Eaton, Jalen Kimber class. I could see a Keaton Crawford, any one of those guys class. I mean, that's truly going to be like a first come first serve situation. As far as games in DFW that you should attend this year, um, I mean, watching Duncanville is always fun. I the problem is, is Duncanville plays nobody typically. Um, they just their district. Skyline. What about Skyline? Well, Duncanville. I mean, I went to the, run them. Yeah. I went to that game last year, EJ. It was like a sixty to seven game. Yeah, I was going to um, say. Well, you can see Clay Clay Davis there, but yeah, I guess Duncanville is going to run them out of the gym. It'd be a good game for prospects for sure, but. Seeing, you know, uh, it, it, seeing, like, for instance, we knew about Quay Davis last year, but you asked me about him after I went to that game, and I was like, he didn't catch a single ball because they couldn't get him the ball. You know, I, I just don't think you're gonna, you may see much from him um, in that one. So, man, I would always in the old days say Cedar Hill DeSoto, but I, that game's lost a little bit for me, uh, just with both teams being more down than they usually are. Um, that's a really good question. I, you know what? I'd have to probably have a schedule in front of me, but the good news is, is when it gets to the summer and we get uh, plan our schedules, we'll probably do some sort of preview where we talk about games to see must games to see. Um, I, Texas liked Avery Helm early on, but he was injured near the end of last year. I think he may be a, an evaluate guy and, and see where they are with their other corner prospects. Yeah, Avery Helm's coming off a torn ACL, so I just, I mean, with the guys they've offered already, I don't really think that's going to be um, an option. Uh, and then, yeah, as far as DFW games to see, I mean, 
Yeah, you have to catch a Duncanville game. I would just look at the schedule. I think Duncanville's playing some rando national team from, like, Washington, D.C. or something. Uh, so maybe that one. Um, always go check out a game at Eagle Stadium. I'm sure Allen has somebody that they're playing early in the season that you can watch, but it's it's always great to head out to that uh, stadium for sure. Um, you know, I would say I'd say to catch a Highland Park game, but I'm not exactly sure who they're playing. Um, and then, yeah, as far as corner, I mean, as far as DBs go, I think Mike hit it right. I would say. Uh, Chris Thompson, Bryson Washington as the safeties, Xavier Alford at nickel. Um, you know, obviously, I think they're in a very, very good spot with Keely Ringo coming out of the spring break visit. So I would go Ringo at one corner, and then the other ones just like uh, like Mike said, it's kind of like a free for all. I mean, it could be Keaton Crawford, it could be Jalen Kimber, it could be uh, Joshua Eaton. So there's just so many uh, options there that I think are all in the same category. All right, our next question from Dylan Byers. He said, which re- – I don't even know if we could answer this. <laughs> you know what? I, I'll ask the question. You can decide if we answer it. Uh, which reporter or reporters should I unfollow on Twitter due to their disrespect for recruit secrecy wishes? Are there publications that do it as a whole? Um, to the answer to the second question, yes. To the first question, I, I don't ever tell anybody, like, don't listen to this person or don't listen to that person. Uh, make the judgment for yourself. I think that you can kind of figure it out by by seeing guys report things and then us very quickly saying this wasn't supposed to get out, but it did. <laughs> uh, there's a, a certain site that uses – there's a certain site that has multiple accounts on our site and is always very, very quickly – to report things that they shouldn't. Uh, I feel like that's what they're known for. And they their, their name rhymes with the Craniacs. And then, uh, of course, you know, the ham. Like, why would you even be following him at this point? All right. Our next question comes to us from uh, Laquan. He sent us a bracket. It is a bracket of New Jersey food, which we don't live in New Jersey, Laquan. I, <laughs> what? <laughs> I... I have family in New Jersey, so I I know some of these. Um, he asked, like, who will we take in the 1-16 to 16 matchup on the top left? So that matchup is, and I'm guessing you don't know either of these. So interestingly enough, the one seed is called Taylor Ham, and yes, that is a thing. And I'm guessing that's why he sent it to us. <laughs> and the 16th seed is Johnson's Popcorn. EJ, do you know what Taylor Ham is besides the other thing? <laughs> uh the only taylor ham i'm aware of is the the angry little elf so no taylor ham is a it's called a pork roll in new jersey um and it's actually really good it's like uh it's almost like a i don't know it's weird it's hard to to kind of tell you what it is but it's like a pork product that they put on like a breakfast sandwich so you can get it with like a egg and cheese on bagel um i would take that taylor ham i would not take the other taylor ham <laughs> well what is Johnson's popcorn good? Like what what is that? Why is this I guy asking us about New Jersey food? Like why would You know what? Know I didn't I didn't put it together until now. Like when I first saw the question, I'm like, what the hell? Um I'm almost sure he just asked us that because the first name was Taylor Ham. Yeah, well then I'll take Johnson's popcorn. But who knows? Like the actual Taylor Ham food product might be pretty good. Who knows? It is it is really good. Pork roll. I just <laughs> pork. 
I call it pork roll though, because that's what they call it in New Jersey. They don't call Wait, it. Wait, is in New is Taylor Ham the number one seed? Yeah. Oh, it's like, like the most. <laughs> it's the most New Jersey food there is, dude. Like, it, like so. My I have an uncle and cousins up in who live in New Jersey, and the first time they were like, "Hey, do you want a pork roll?" I'm like, "What the hell is a pork roll?" And so they got me one, and it tastes really good. Like I went, I was back in New Jersey for business a couple of years ago. And I went to like some restaurant and it was like the Jersey burger and it was like it's stuffed with like meat with Taylor ham and I was or with pork roll. And I was like, oh, so this is like a full on Jersey thing. Uh, just Google t- uh, pork roll or Taylor ham and you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. That's hilarious. Uh, our last question comes to us from Xavier Peters. He says, where would you rank Lathan Ransom compared to the other DBs in this class? Uh, so I've only seen his film. I'm going to have to go off that. Um, but I, I think I, I, I like Chris Thompson a little more, um, but I think Ransom would come in right in that area. Yeah. I'd take Ransom over everyone except for Chris Thompson, but they are in the general area. You could make the argument one way or the other. There are different kinds of safeties too, but, uh, from seeing Lathan's film and watching him in seven on seven, I feel confident that he is, you know, around a top 50 national player. Yeah, he's a stud. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for the mailbag. As always, get your questions to nointerviewspod at gmail.com or send them directly to our DMs at nointerviewspod. EJ, um, before we get out of here, and I know this one's kind of short, but we got, again, have some things going on. Um, why don't you tell us what you have on tap for this weekend? Yes, so I will be going to New Orleans. Like I said, I uh, will be out there to cover Pylon New Orleans. Should be a lot of fun since I'm staying at the Boomtown Casino. So I'm going to be playing slots all day, doing some gambling. will be a very fun weekend. New Orleans itself is just, like, so great. I don't even drink or anything. Like, it's not like I'm going to be out partying on bourbon. I just, like, like walking up and down Canal, doing some shopping, hitting the casinos, eating the food it's like the best place ever um so i love new orleans the tournament <laughs> i'm like not even thinking about the tournament i'm like i'm ready to just go to new orleans just take like a this is kind of going to be like a workation like this the adidas los angeles championship and this one are like my and the new orleans pylon are my two favorite events of the off season um unfortunately i didn't get to enjoy la very much since this year the adidas was only a one-day thing but new orleans is a two-day thing i'll actually be there from friday till monday so um i'll have a lot of fun but anyway as far as the tournament goes um you know the host team is the louisiana bootleggers texas has not done a lot of recruiting in louisiana uh for skilled players they do land uh an occasional defensive lineman you know, every, well, I guess they land one per cycle uh, last year being Myron Warren. Um, so there aren't, I mean, the bootleggers are loaded. They have a lot of national talent, Coy Moore. Uh, they have Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, Major Burns, who's committed to A&M, Joel Williams, who holds a Texas offer but really isn't a target at this point. I mean, they have a lot of dudes, just not really a lot on Texas' radar. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Texas puts more of an effort into louisiana i think like jakai douglas would be a really good replacement for mookie cooper but you know anyway as far as texas targets that will be there um 
True Buzz is coming down, so that will give me another opportunity to catch up and see Ty Jordan, who, like I said earlier, is in contention for the running back to take. There's been a lot of talk about him being, you know, a Mookie Cooper replacement, and I, I can definitely see that. That's not necessarily the case right now, but I can definitely see that he brings uh, somewhat of a similar skill set, and he's so fun to watch in a seven-on-seven setting. Um, Ryan Watts and Jahari Rogers are in that secondary. Uh, both are very close. Uh, Watts has been, you know, kind of up and down a little bit, I guess, this offseason. He's a big, intriguing prospect. I'm excited to see him again. Uh, I saw him in 7-on-7 seven seven earlier and at the opening. Uh, Jahari Rogers coming off injury, so I got to watch a little bit of him at the opening as well, but really excited to watch him in a 7-on-7 seven seven setting. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that was super impressive at the opening Dallas, but someone that I haven't watched a ton. So, uh, you know, both of those guys, I think OU might have the advantage with, uh, but Texas certainly still in the mix. Um, and then aside from that, all in will be there, uh, which means I will get to see four-star wide receiver, Troy O'Meer in action for like the 30th time this off season and, uh, catch up with him again. I know Mike just talked to him and, you know, didn't get too much from Troy. That's just how Troy is. He's naturally quiet, but hopefully I'll get some more out of him. And I, I think his mom's there. Actually, the New Orleans Pylon event last year is where I met Troy O'Meara's mom. You know, what's funny is like, <laughs> there was so, last year I went to the Pylon New Orleans and it was on Texas's spring game. And if people, like, people don't understand. They ask this every single year. I've been, this is like my fourth year working with the site. And they ask this every year. They get so outraged. Why is it, why aren't EJ and Mike at the Texas Spring Game? We're not allowed to be at the Dan Spring Game. We cannot be there. We can't talk to recruits on campus. It's not a junior day. We've been asked not to do that. So we don't do that. That's why we're not there. We also don't cover the team. So I don't care about the spring game at all. So while people were complaining about that, I was in Pylon New Orleans last year. And that's where I really got to know, know Troy and his mom. And that's why I've been kind of in the loop on his recruitment. So this is 7 on 7 is always a great setting to really get to know people. And so I uh, hope to spend some time with Troy and his mom again uh, this year. And uh, All In also features Josh White, so that will give me, you know, Josh White wasn't at the opening, right, Mike? Right, but I did procure an interview with him. <laughs> okay, well, I will be able to get more from Josh White and combine that with Mike, and, you know, he just visited not too long ago and, you know, is also very high on Texas, so both of those guys um, on the same team. And, uh, you know, aside from that, I think those are, I think those are the main targets I had, like a list pulled up of teams. I'm sure there are some others that I can't just think of off the top of my head, but it appears my list of teams has been deleted by this Lathan Ransom bolt of top 14 schools. So uh, I want to go back and pull up the team list. Uh, but overall, there should be more Texas targets there. Those are the ones off the top of my head, and it should be a really, really good tournament. So before we get out of here, EJ has been podcast cheating on us uh, by doing another podcast. Uh, EJ, yes. do you want to plug that? Uh, yeah, so I've been uh, traveling with Pylon, obviously, to all these 7-on-7 seven seven events. You know, I've been out to Orlando and Las Vegas and uh, Atlanta and, you know, obviously here in Dallas and 
and New Orleans this coming weekend and uh, I think I'm going to like Denver next month or somewhere random and Hawaii later on. And uh, I've known Baron Flannery, who uh, is the uh, CEO of Pylon for uh, many years, actually, before I started working at this site. And going to all those pylons obviously gives me uh, a lot of access to out-of-state recruits. So it's super beneficial for me to um, be able to go to all these events. So uh, thank you to uh, Baron for allowing me to kind of travel around with Pylon this season. Uh, but yeah, we did start our own podcast. It's not really uh, recruiting based. It's more so just uh, seven on seven. I think seven on sevens kind of uh, developed into its own sport. And obviously we talk about the, the big players at the tournaments, but it, it's really a lot of seven on seven, the culture of seven on seven, you know, what players are looking good, what teams are looking good, recapping the events that you know, we're at for the weekend. So, you know, we'll have uh, a podcast recapping New Orleans and we'll have a podcast recapping Dallas the following week. Uh, Dallas is March 30th. So, um, yeah, if you want to uh, go listen to 7 on 7 and, you know, hear me talk about more or go more in depth on Texas targets that are at the event or even if you're just a general listener and want to know more about 7 on 7 and the events, um, uh, you can check it out uh, on SoundCloud. It's uh, Pylon Seven on Seven, and you can follow their Twitter account at Pylon Seven on Seven. See it there. It's also on my Twitter account, which you should already know. Um, but yeah, give it a listen. Um, anybody that's interested, Seven on Seven is great. It's open to the public. Like I get this question all the time. It is open to the public. Like if you all ever want to go check out a Seven on Seven tournament, it's super fun. Uh, I had a subscriber in Las Vegas that, that went out there just to watch the seven on seven tournament. And he had like a great time and I gave him like a ton of insider scoop too. So shout out to that guy. Um, but yeah, if you ever come out to a seven on, want to come out to a seven on seven event, let me know. Uh, the new Orleans one is actually in Mandeville, which is like across this crazy bridge and it's like an hour away. It used to be at Joe Brown park, like in the city limits, but for some reason they moved it to Manville. Um, so if you're in the New Orleans area, it's Saturday and Sunday, basically all day. So you can go out and, and check out some of these uh, Texas targets if you're interested in doing that. And uh, I don't think the Dallas one has an exact location yet because it was kind of a, a last minute. They already did a Dallas one, but it's coming back to Dallas. So um, I'll have that info. But yeah, if y'all ever want to go out there, you know, it's super fun. You can see all the recruits. You can talk to me. And, you know, if you ever catch me in person, I'll just tell you everything. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, but as far as the podcast, you know, make sure to follow at Pylon 7 on 7 on SoundCloud. All right. Well, thanks for that. We are going to get out of here. Uh, we thank everybody for listening. Sorry about the, the missed show last week. Uh, I'm Mike Roach. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Roach 247 and EJ, where can we find you? You can find me at EJ Holland 24 seven on Twitter. Same on Periscope. Um, I, I've gotten some complaints that my Periscope was like distorted today. Um, I don't know why, like I was just outside of Starbucks. So I don't know if it was just AT&T sucking like it usually does but um i might do another one on the way to new orleans i'm driving with one of the pylon cameramen so i'm sure that i will be bored along the eight hour drive to new orleans so may do another one so make sure to follow me on periscope uh, and you can catch that tomorrow all right well we appreciate everybody for listening and we will see you next week